Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Singh. Joyce, we have uh, a lot of little things to talk about, I guess, this week. Not not as many big-ticket things. Well, things are going on. New York Film Festival is still going on. Still going on. Is this the longest film festival on Earth? Um... Maybe it's it's a whole fortnight, so it's it's a whole grand slam. I could have watched a whole grand slam this time. Between because the P and I screenings, press and industry, for those not in the know, uh, started like felt like early September. Oh yeah, it's it starts like the week oh. before. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so New York Film Festival is still going on. We both sadly missed Priscilla, which was uh, last week, a centerpiece screening, I believe. Uh, it closes Friday. We're recording this on on Wednesday with uh, Ferrari, Michael Mann's new movie. I read a nice interview with Michael Mann this week, Joyce. I know you did too, because we talked about how it had uh, some Tokyo Vice goths in there. Yeah, that's. I'm more excited for season two of Tokyo Vice than Ferrari. No shade. And uh, Heat Two, where he's going to have uh, Adam Driver playing Macaulay, which is great. The De Niro role. Anyway, I'm excited yeah, to see that, Ferrari. That's all the aggregation. Love it. I love the aggregating. Love Michael Mann just hitting those points on the interviews. We got a lot of interviews and stuff. To, so we'll do some news first, and we have a, a lot of real emails. You have done such Real. a great job. Real people emailing us. I love it so much. We also got an email from Henry, our fan. I'll read that one later, Joyce. We love a follow-up. Love, I love it, love it. And uh, you can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. Keep them coming. This is great. It's so heartening to see these emails come in. And some of them are nice. Uh, anyway, so we had uh, <laughs> news this week was Color Purple trailer, Joyce. But we could start with that one. Another trailer. The second one, yes. Uh, looks like a movie. It looks exactly what I expected. Um, and I think this might have this trailer might have been the one that a lot of people were expecting the first one to be. Um, yes. but this one was also very focused on Taraji P. Henson. Big Taraji, she gets the song in in the in the in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And big Danielle Brooks energy, though she has been very big in the other trailers too. But I felt like those and, and less Fantasia. That was my takeaway. There's There has not been a lot of Fantasia. And I feel like if they're going to do a third trailer, which, I mean, sure, you know, like the movie's still two months out, um, Christmas. Uh, I feel like that one might be more Fantasia-focused. I feel like the the marketing for this is is for mass appeal, right? They're yeah. going to sell it as like um, an energetic musical, which it, it has, like, um, Taraji has you know the the high energy songs you know and like fantasia's arc 
is uh more solemn <laughs> yes. so i feel like they're not gonna focus on that yeah when they just want to kind of market this as like a, a general public push it you know? definitely feels like a movie that i think could do really well at the box office it seems like it's got big hit potential even though it's a musical i mean it's a Pulitzer well. prize winner um huge film and great great cast and a huge musical so and we talked about this previously when we went through like our sag and golden globe i mean it is like on paper the most obvious like cast sag ensemble winner i think in a long time like straight up winner uh big audience crowd pleasing movie with like a cast of a lot of people that people like and other things and are now doing this together and yet I still don't know if they're, I have not really heard a lot about any screenings yet or anything. Do you think it's not too late, but I'm like, they got to start like, well, I mean, it doesn't up. matter for us. Like when we see it, like for SAG, they need to get the screeners out. But okay. they haven't, right? I mean, I haven't heard that they have. Have you? No. Well, I don't think most people have anyway, unless you're like a movie from the spring, you right. know, like, okay. then, but like none of these like fall movies, I don't think they've done any of that. It, it's not, they'll it's probably. Not- like they'll all start doing it in November. I think like they would have to do that for the color purple because it's such a late release and SAG loves early shit. Like you right. have to be early of SAG in film and TV. It um, exactly. And I'm like, yeah. I really think it just so it's just sitting right there. I think all these like it has like legitimate. Yeah, I, I don't I actually don't have it in ensemble yet because I'm like, is it gonna be too late? You know, like we saw mm-hmm. what happened with West Side Story. It right. just got Ariana DeBose in when and- it should have been an easy ensemble nominee. And when you think about like, it doesn't matter, but it does matter because like the perception is that it's a winner. You know what I mean? Or like a contender. I, I think Color Purple, we still have, everybody has it, not everybody, but like we have it in for Best Picture still, like Sight Unseen, have uh, Daniel Brooks in, maybe he gets in some other places. Taraji obviously is a popular pick, Fantasia as well. But I'm like, if it got in, if they got enough screeners, if it gets to SAG, it could get in like Ensemble and like four, maybe four other nominations at SAG, right? Like it really could. Uh, and then all of a sudden it starts snowballing and gains momentum and it's like the movie, right? And if it just a matter of like getting it seen is really like, I think a big thing for it to sag. So based on the trailer- yeah. I Well, like I think once they thing. do start screening, not just for press, but also industry, like SAG screenings, I think will be for the nomcom. Yes, that's what know, I- that's Like I think it'll be, you know, like a, a high priority like request even, like people are anticipating it. So that's good. Um, but but like yeah in terms of screeners like they, they do have to get because West Side Story were very late with theirs yeah. so it happens a lot we've seen it like with a lot of like Wolf of Wall Street was too late right remember yeah like I I dropped Little Woman um, because they were late too so and that impacts to me that impacts the rest of the season because we know the perception is sometimes a great uh, thing right the perception of it being a top choice is sometimes as good as being a top choice. Yeah, and then, you know, with, with SAG, it's like not everyone can be Regina King right. if you're snubbed right. there, you know. Yeah. Well, so so this one was very focused on Taraji, and you did not have Taraji. And I, I still don't have Taraji. So you, you were not reactive to this trailer. No, it's just a trailer. I mean, like, yeah. I know she, like, nothing has changed to me based on- I like, do feel like a lot of the reaction was- oh, they're pushing Taraji hard. Like she's their priority. I'm like, I don't really think so. I think like, there's still like, you know, Danielle Brooks in the trailer too. And, but I do think like she is like the most well-known person in here outside of Fantasia, but they're like hiding Fantasia. I right I kind of felt like, based, I mean, obviously you're right. Like it was like a Taraji forward trailer because she's got the song and like is more actively involved. But I did think like the Danielle Brooks stuff is like, sh- like 
stand-up like show-stopping stuff the yeah. clips that they show of her I still have her in I mean we I have an update I still have her in second but I think of all the best supporting actress contenders and I think we talked about this maybe in our column this last week was that this last week I don't remember days anymore I think it was yes. uh I I could easily see Daniel Brooks like being like the Ariana DeBose of this year and like kind of steamrolling through it's a softer category without Lily Gladstone I have Emily Blunt winning I know a lot of people have Devon Joy Randolph winning but I think Daniel Brooks with that role and that movie and I just could see all of it coming together and her like pushing through. So I was like, I didn't put Taraji in yet. And maybe I will after I see it or after people see it and people start talking about it. But I'm like, Daniel Brooks, I was like heartened or like I felt buttressed her her position as in the trailer, basically. I mean, I have both of them in. I think like one of my... um concerns or whatever you want to call it with both of them or one of them are emerging as a frontrunner is that I think that consensus would have to build really early on you know with pairs right you know um it didn't really happen last year with like Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu but you know that's like but it's usually like you could tell right away like who's the favorite between a, a co-star duo and I think usually with musicals um and in this category specifically like we just we've just always had like the the standout like we knew they were winning you know like Anne Hathaway right and Ariana and J-Hud even you know so and like they have like the signature song and like the big moment and everything um and so I don't know like how that's going to impact a musical with two supporting actress contenders that have those these roles have received awards recognition before Right. at the Oscars and at the Tonys, you know? And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I like, I think I can see both of them winning, but I don't, I don't have yeah. either of them winning right. right now. And then um, I I still have Fantasia out only because I dropped her, I don't know, a couple weeks ago because that's the only one I haven't seen. <laughs> so I just, I mean, like with regard to Fantasia, like you said, I mean, who, like we have, it's hard to, I don't like, you don't want to put any weight into it because we haven't seen it, but I'm just like, there's so many, that category is so crowded that I think for her to get in, uh, it would be like, and all like, like all of these performances, I feel like are all time perform. I don't know. I just think it'd be like, she'd have to be incredible in it. And like undeniable to make it in, which she could be because we haven't seen it, but I'm just like, yeah. It's a and really, it's not really like, crowded it, it, category. It, it, it's not like like just me not having seen it. It's like, it's, it's underseen, right? Like I, I know of people who have, yeah seen the film because they have shown it to some people yes. um and i've heard you know through the grapevine that it's good yeah. and like all like everyone is great in it right but like that's like i think i need like wider <laughs> reactions to yeah. it before yeah. I, I put her back in so. i think that's totally fair uh we also had some interviews this week joyce we had Car- carrie mulligan on the cover of was it vogue italian vogue was it or what was vogue it? um a, a great um cover story and photo shoot um all about the, the hidden music in her life get it yeah yeah what did yeah. it say about the movie joyce maestro well um you know they're they're still uh, insisting on not calling it a biopic that was one of her quotes it's not a biopic. It's not a biopic. Right. It's a story about a marriage. Right. Um, which it is. Yeah. But it's a biopic of both of them, I guess. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess they're just taking umbrage with calling it a Leonard Bernstein biopic because they want to 
um, you know, front uh, Felicia as well. Right. And I, yeah. she talked about how um, uh, when, when she joined the movie, Bradley uh, wanted her to do a dream workshop with him to get into character. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go all in and do this with you. So she did. Uh, she's great in the movie. We talked about it a lot last week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Uh, she is great in the movie. I, I guess I'm like, who cares what it's called? I, I guess biopic has become such a pejorative I guess, in some circles that that's probably why they're avoiding it. I mean, is it a pejorative? Like, that's just a genre. I think it has become a pejorative because I think when you say biopic, you think like Bohemian Rhapsody. But that's just one. I'm just using that as an example. But we've seen like a lot of movies that are like, a biopic is just like not the I guess like people view the them exciting. as like boring in a way yeah. but I don't think I don't I, I mean I think every genre can be boring I think it's up to the people involved to make them interesting like so. like Lincoln is a biopic I love Lincoln Lincoln's a great movie yeah you know what I mean like it's like there's way like you know there are a lot of movies that are biopics that are yeah great, and and like again but... like as we said that was one of like the the earlier films of like the past decade or so that instead of focusing on this person's entire lifespan they focus on a specific period tony kushner so. the god mm-hmm. uh also scorsese doing a lot of rounds he was doing international press that man it's just going viral every four days so. he's doing so much press god bless but him. he's the only one who can promote it right now <laughs> he is but i also think like even if he wasn't the only one like you know leo wasn't leo's not doing uh sitting down no, leo would, wouldn't do that much press um you know they got him to do that british vogue cover with lily it would so he wouldn't do like that that was like surprising to me right. like, they're you know so leo wouldn't do a lot of press <laughs> de niro wouldn't do a lot of press no and then de you niro know, wouldn't lily... even do that that epk for those character videos did you watch those three yes. they did videos for him yes. leo and lily yeah so i'm like it would still be scorsese i think he's one of like the few directors that you could name along with like spike uh christopher nolan greta gerwig who would be like name brand enough to be on like the magazine features you know what i mean like that people have did, did we talk about it. his gq cover we didn't talk like, about it when it came GQ? out uh but that was a great interview a lot of them yeah, now is just sad you know a lot of them are like him facing his own mortality yeah a lot of death talk um and which is like you know it happens i mean the man's 80 years old and so i think and that uh, you, yeah, that it happens and I definitely think with Flower Moon, I think a lot of the movie and the reason I'm not like the reason I like it is actually a lot of it is like, I think, in conversation with him thinking about legacy and time and how people just kind of move on and mm-hmm. not really paying attention. No, nothing like lasts. And even atrocities don't last and people forget and life moves on and it never stops. Yeah. And then like <laughs> history can forget, too, if like the the right people are not talking about it. Right. And history and good and bad history, I think he's is a big thing with his his life, right? It's just like nothing is yeah. really permanent. And so how do you like live in a world like that? Uh, anyway, there have been really good interviews. We were talking about this before we started recording. He did have one. I, God, God forbid I take umbrage with the God, Martin Scorsese. But he did have one about the length of the movie, which I think we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, this, this one got a lot of pickup, really, really dwarfed the the TikTok coverage. Yeah, you know, yeah. the Francesca's TikTok. Francesca also doing a lot for your flower, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Love the TikTok so. stuff. Love Francesca, a great yeah, actress and filmmaker. Great. 
yeah I'm right put that in the criterion collection that uh and marty and those are great i love how much he loves her i think it's sweet uh mm-hmm. and then here here's the length of the movie the movie is three hours and 26 minutes i think it's 206 minutes not as long as movie irishman was th- 209 uh he's made a lot of three-hour movies wolf of wall street was three hours silence is i think 240 maybe um irishman is 209 and this is 206 so these are long movies joyce i don't know if you know math i just realized this. i i think i can math better than you yeah i just realized this 206 so. minutes is a lot of minutes yeah uh so marty was asked about this and he said people say it's three hours actually just a note it's three hours and 26 minutes i think but people say it's three hours but come on you can sit in front of the tv and watch something for five hours scorsese said this during a round table i believe with international journalists also there are many people who watch theater for three and a half hours there are real actors on stage you can't get up and walk around you give it that respect give cinema that some respect i'm all for that i, I don't think you should be like walking around and i believe in uh if you're going to go to the movies and it's three and a half hours, sit there for three and a half hours and watch the movie. I I think we both took the, the difference between watching it at home on TV is when you're watching a TV show for five hours, if that's what you're doing, they're a TV show, they're episodes. So there's a ebb and flow and it's ends. There's a beginning and an end and you kind of move on. A movie yeah. is not like that. Yeah. This, this defense, a, a lot of filmmakers and uh, movie stars, uh, go to uh when they try to clap back at you know criticism of long run times and i'm just like this is a false equivalence because like you said movies and tv are completely different things a movie is close-ended like you know it's going to last a couple of hours you can devote a couple hours of your day to it you make a track to the theater to do it there's a beginning middle and end and when it's over you leave and you go home a TV show will end eventually, you know, I'm like, unless it's a limited series, you know, like how many episodes there are in it, but a regular TV series, it could go on for fucking years, <laughs> you know, like NCIS is still on 20 years. It's going to be 21st season. And, and yeah, like you said, like it's an ebb and flow and it's episodic. The beginning and middle and is within an episode. The episode can be 30 minutes. It can be an hour and now with streaming they're just pushing it you know like there's like 75 minute episodes 90 minute episodes you know 40 minute episodes you know we see ted lasso and but like still within that episode is a beginning middle of end and then you the person the viewer can choose to stop watching it if it's yeah. bingeable so i can stop watching you know ted lasso after one episode or i can or well that's weekly but if it's like i don't know whatever's on netflix it's like i can stop watching squid game after one episode or i can continue if i have time if i'm just like i gotta watch a next episode and i'll watch an episode then maybe yeah sometimes i might sit there for five hours and watch that but they're completely different mediums and different storytelling and then in tv because there's so many episodes and the storytelling you know it ebbs and flows some episodes might not focus on your favorite character or they'll spotlight a different character supporting character or they'll have a bottle episode right and you might not be as focused on certain episodes and that's okay too that's okay like we have filler episodes in tv that's fine but in film it's like it's demanding your attention for that amount of time in the theater and yes three and a half hours is a long time um and i think you know his comparison to theater is not the same either because theater has intermissions 
And there's been people also saying like, bring back intermissions in cinemas, which I don't think we need either. Like I, I, like, I know, you know, I don't like long movies, but I sat through Killers of Flower Moon. I didn't go to the bathroom. No, I, I I think the difference is too, is like exactly what you're saying too. I think I was, I'm fine. I'm fine. And if this is what Martin Scorsese, I'm not going to say, if Martin Scorsese thinks he needed three and a half hours to tell Kills of Flower Yeah, if this is the movie you're making, I will see it and I will sit through it. I absolutely accept that he thought it needed to be three and a half hours. I'm not Martin Scorsese. And if James Cameron is another person who's done this recently too, talked about the length and like compared it to TV. If James Cameron thinks we need three hours and 20 minutes on Avatar, hell yeah. Like, And listen, I loved the way of water way of whales it was a great time uh it was (laughs) awesome uh these guys are kings and like if they think they needed to make the movies long that's fine my quibble would be like it's not like tv because and especially and especially in the theater i think going to the movie theater like you said if i go to movie theater i'm going to sit through it and pay attention hopefully i'm riveted at this point now if i don't like something i'm going to fall asleep i'm just going to tell you that right now oh i I, I do that too yeah right but I'm like, if it's great or even good, I'm going to be very engaged. I, not I did not phone. fall asleep during Killers of the Flower Moon. Not once. I've seen so, it twice. Didn't fall asleep yeah. either time. It's it's very watchable and engaging. So this is not a critique on the movie at all. But I'm just saying, like, I think TV is way less engaging and you're not paying attention. And when you're watching this stuff at home, like Flower Moon, I'm like, you're going to be, people are going to be not as engaged just by na- nature. Well, no, I don't think it's like less engaging. I think in, in the theater, you're, you're forced to be engaged, yes. right? Cause you made that effort. And I think like TV is engaging to me, like, like succession engages me. Yeah. You know, like it's certain shows and like other shows, it's just, they're just laundry shows. Like I could just yeah. put them on the background, you know, and that's fine. I got a but, lot like, of laundry shows then. And there's, I mean, like nowadays there's a lot of laundry shows. But like great TV engages you and I could watch a whole episode of TV and not be on my phone. Right. You know? But like that's the other thing because it's like TV, you do get to watch at home. You don't have to make the effort to go out and spend money to, I mean, we pay for streaming services, but you know you know what I mean. It's yeah. like, and like we could be in our pajamas. We don't have to dress up. We can pause and go pee and like grab food and, you know. It's a different, like, it's a different experience. Yeah. Um, so I just think like that, like, People need to stop making that comparison and just like, it's also insulting to TV because TV is a great medium and like, they're just not comparable when you're bringing runtime into it like that. Uh, He also talked about Barbenheimer. Did you see those quotes, Marty? And he hasn't seen them yet. I love that he hasn't seen them. I don't even know know. if he has, but I love that he, I love that he was like, like, I'm very excited. I'm I'm very happy for this. I love this. And I love that he called it uh, Chris Nolan. So that was fun. Loves Chris her. Nolan's work. The other thing we didn't even talk about this. A couple of people really caped for Marty. Uh, speaking of Scorsese, was Francis Ford Coppola, oh, who Spike. Instagrammed and yeah. was like, "My great friend Martin Scorsese made a masterpiece." Yeah, and the God Spike Lee coming to coming to bat for Marty with the great quotes about uh, both Marty and then uh, Lily Gladstone, which that made me laugh. Hang on, let me find those. He was like, yeah. oh, and then and then he had an issue with. Oppenheimer's ending or well, not but just like what they didn't show which I do not agree with I don't agree with either and it was taken out of context because I don't think he had an issue with the movie he was like the movie's awesome no I think it's more that yes like when it was picked up it was taken out of context because yeah. it didn't use the full quote but I think he's also coming at a point uh, from because he's saying they should have shown um, yes. the bombings or he, he wanted to see the aftermath of the bombings. Yes. And I'm like that this is the type of stuff that he does in his movies like yes. at the end of his films he does yes. he includes like real life footage Mm -hmm. so i understand from his perspective yeah like that's what he would have done yeah but i'm also just like 
that's he's, not what the movie is. <laughs> no, and he said that in the thing. He was like, I'm sure Christopher Nolan would tell me things I didn't do the right thing in Malcolm X that he would have done differently. You know, that was his comparison. Yeah, but I just, I, I also think like, like, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be Christopher Nolan, but I'm like, I think he knows like, you know, Malcolm X is a completely different movie than Oppenheimer. Like those, yeah. like what Spike is asking for does not work. <laughs> no, they're different filmmakers. I think the only reason it got picked up out of context is because people have it been seemed like, like he was dragging him yeah and people want to drag him over that yeah. aspect and then it also like, like back on that the the controversy the controversy from the yeah. summer when people were like why didn't he show the bombings yeah that's exactly right so like uh, anything to like get, get their point back in the news would be like picked up even if it's in bad faith because spike lee was like the movie's awesome but his stuff about uh killers is great scorsese that's my guy kills the flower moon is a great film that native american woman lily gladstone she's winning an oscar and I don't think that's a supporting role. I think that's a leading role. She's got my vote. That's Spike. Um, the, the, that Native American woman took me out when I read it. Just the, the greatest. He's so I good. can hear him saying it. <laughs> too. He's the best. He's I'm just like, best. I know it's like well-intentioned, but like if like anyone else said it. <laughs> no, just destroyed. But Spike can say it. Uh, anyway, so that if, if we've now had in the, in, the, in the Nolan camp is like Denny Villeneuve, PTA you know, like raving about Oppenheimer and here for Scorsese of Coppola, Spike Lee. So I don't know if we're- Are, are you like teams. keeping track of the teams? I'm just trying to see, like, I, I think we, we most people have got those two as the best director winner, regardless well, of the picture. Well, I mean, picture. Todd Field did a, a Q&A with, with Greta yes. last week or two weeks ago now. And then she was in, in London and she's been everywhere uh, with Alfonso Caron. And Jesse Armstrong did a Q&A with her. Yeah, that was, he was, that, he was a surprise moderator at London. So. I'm like, I'm just not keeping score, but I'm just like trying to, with the director's branch, you know that like, that's how it works, right? So I'm like, there's But I think with these people, it doesn't matter. It's like- Well, Edgar Wright did a thing with uh, with Scorsese. I was just like, I could see like, directors obviously- are really I, I just feel like they all stand all of them. They do all stand all you of know? them. And it doesn't mean that they're going to pick them to win. But I'm like, Scorsese still has his like, you yeah, if it is has, a- like, like every he i think like he would be listed among all of he'll be included on all of their lists of you know their idols and it, it doesn't mean like we've seen this like spielberg didn't win right like for for fablemans right and it was not a last hurrah but it felt like a culmination not that this is scorsese's last hurrah and not that they think this way but i'm like there is a world where he does win for this especially if it continues to get so well received even if it doesn't win best picture yeah, but I feel like we say this every time he's in contention. Like we had the same conversation about the Irishman. You we know, did. we did. Uh, it's true. And Bong Joon Ho paid tribute to him in his speech. You know, so yeah. So they all love him, but maybe not enough to have a win. And he's kind of said that too. He's not really part of the club. He said that even in the GQR. Oh yeah, I mean we've known this forever. When right. you know, from all his Oscar losses early on. So, uh, Joyce, we have we have so many emails. I think we're going to devote the rest of this to emails because man alive, we got some good ones. Uh, let me see. I'm going to start with actually Uri's. Back again. Hope you're well. It's Uri again. I have a couple of questions for you. And it's actually three. So a couple is two, but sure. Uh, why does so many people, why do you, uh, so many people have started to dismiss Anatomy of a Fall for Best Picture just because France didn't choose it as their representative, which I like because chaos is a good thing. To me, it's a lot in English and its genre doesn't 
need the international nom. That's not really a question, but I agree with all of that. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, same. <laughs> we have it in for best picture. Yeah, so. I have it in. I have Sandra Muller in best actress. Um, it it screened at New York this week, so good reception. They did a Q and A because they can promote it. So I saw some people on like in, in the in the in the deep uh, film Twitter being like surprised it won can because it's so basic basically but i'm like that's why actually it's like that's, be that's just like film stops because like as as i've said before i i think it feels like an hbo limited series which is a very high compliment it, it is very and it's very watchable and like the thing is like this like uri said here it's i mean it's it's probably like 49 english i think it was calculated so i think i think it's like 51 percent french or something it, it's something I mean, like that because there's also like a little German in there too. So it's yeah, like, there's a little German. It's probably like 0.2% German or something. But it's like a lot of English. It's mostly- very, It's very English. And I think if you show that to somebody, they wouldn't even, it wouldn't even register as an international film or a foreign language film because it's so much in English that you would just be like, I'm just watching, you know, like West Side Story, Not it's not comparable to that. But I'm like, when you watch West Side Story, that's an English language film. And then they're also speaking, you know, Spanish and stuff, right? That's not subtitled or whatever it is. This, I felt like the same thing. I was like, oh, like this is just like, it is not, it's not a leap to think that this will do really well with voters because it is, like you said, like a prestige HBO show and very watchable. And there's not even like the barrier of subtitles for some people that still exists. There's, there's a moment in the film when she's testifying and then she asks if she could switch from French to English. Great. Because she had to learn French like for her husband. Because right. that's Because she's but... German, right? In the movie, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, but I, yeah, there it's it's a lot of it is in English and and yeah, I think it just it it just has just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle with all these other festival premieres because you know it's already been seen um at Cannes. And then I I do think people view zone of interest as the more highbrow pick. Yeah, that's why I don't think it's getting in anywhere. Because it is Did more you take highbrow. it out of everything. I don't have it in anywhere, zone of interest. Uh, I think Anatomy of Fall all the way. I feel like it could get like four or five nominations. Um, I mean, I think Zone can still get in places. Like I like it could be a lone director. Nominee. Yeah, it, I, still it, have that would, I think that would be the one place I could see it actually getting in as director. I can I, like it would be a good sound nominee too. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Happen. I think I, I'm not sure. Um. But, but yeah, I think it's it's just kind of been forgotten a little bit. I don't think that's I don't think that's bad though. And I yeah, like, I don't think it's bad. Um, but and I think people just... even underestimating at this point is probably good. Anybody I know who's seen it like thinks it's great, very watchable. Mm -hmm. It just feels like an easy movie to see, like getting generating a lot of interest and then getting in. I mean, if trying yeah, and like it's also in, a movie that you want to talk about afterwards very much a discussion movie i also don't even though i think there's probably polarization around her character because i could see like a lot of men being like fuck her basically uh i don't think it's like a polarizing movie no because i mean i don't know i can't really get into details <laughs> i don't think it's a polarized like i was thinking like compared to like triangle of sadness like triangle of sadness is like a polarizing movie people did not like it and it's still well, no because this is because this is also like a, a legal case it's not really a mystery but it it does um it's about like biases yeah and it's there so are no like i don't think there are like like easy answers in the film no which makes so, it great yeah uh 
Uri's next question. What, who do you think the impending end of the actor's strike will help the most? I think Annette Benning's security in the race would increase because all of her work for actors during the strike will help her veteran overdue narrative and can overcome the criticisms of the movie and her performance. So the actors are still on strike as of this recording on Wednesday, but they are not uh, funny and not a, not a lot of like chipping at each other in the press, just like nice, uh, nice joint statement. Well, the thing is, it's like they they didn't meet until they didn't uh, since the strike started. Like their first meeting was last Monday. Yeah. Like they never met, unlike the writers' strike that did meet in August. So then after the writers struck their deal, that's when SAG started meeting. Yeah. So they've been meeting every other day. So. Maybe it'll end probably. I mean, most people expect it to end soon enough. Next, if not this week, maybe next week. It doesn't seem like there's not a lot of, with the writers. There was always like "fuck you," "no fuck you," and that just went on for months. Because they, they, they hate the writers, <laughs> and the writers hate them, and the actors and the studios are not that antagonistic. Well, so. it's also like now, like the writers' deal is in place. It's been ratified. Only ninety people dissented. Right. Um, I couldn't figure and... out based on that. I, I always find those tricky. Who is eligible? Not everybody voted though, but I don't know if that means they weren't eligible or they just decided not to vote. No, like voted. some people just don't vote, but like I think it was like of the people who voted. Of the people who voted, only ninety said no. Yeah, only maybe maybe Stephen Amell. I don't know, um, but but like you know like the the like the actors are asking for like almost the same thing as SAG is you know like AI restrictions and everything and residuals, so a lot of the same thing. So like those are already in place. So if, if it, it's just like dotting the T's or dotting the I's crossing the T's and then like a numbers game with like percentages. I mean, who knows, but I will see the actors as I, so back to the question, do you think who will this help when they can start campaigning? I think it would help like the, the non big names. Okay. So like, who would you put in that like league? Um, like Kaylee Spaney, like even like Lily Gladstone. Like, I think they're like, once the strike ends, I think like Apple's just like w- raring to go. That's so Lily. She's I, not. She's not like a complete unknown because like you know she's right. Yeah, she's not a breakthrough nominee, Joyce. She's definitely not a breakthrough nominee. She was a breakthrough nominee for certain women at the Gotham Awards like six years ago. Well, I mean, uh, Kelly Spaney has been doing press, so because she can. Yeah, she can. But I think it'll it'll just be more. You know, right, I guess, but I mean, she's done. And, I think she's done a lot. I know they did like a junket or whatever with her. Yeah, so. like they because they they were at New York, so like they yeah. can do that. I I do feel like all these projects that have um interim agreements, like they don't want to go too hard. No, it seems I I get the sense too that they're going you know, hard, that's, but that's not what too I hard. feel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So just like anyone who's like under, like not not known, like I don't think it matters for the big people, like Annette like sure but i think like his point about her heading the entertainment fund or whatever it's called like i think they would remember that anyway if the strike does not end because i think like if the strike continues like they'll remember like she's she's been backing us this entire time i think for like some of these people it's not not about remember, but like I'm like Coleman Domingo, I think, is a person who in a room would be like great. People like him, want to talk to him. And like he's a kind of person I think who would be helped by being able to just Yeah, be I out think it would help anyone who would babies. be a first time nominee. Right. So I think he would be helped. I think Jeffrey Wright would be helped. I think like Devon Joy Randolph would be helped. America Ferrara, uh Lily Gladstone for sure. Any of these people who are like first time nominees would 
be probably helped. I don't, I think you're right about an F inning. That seems like something, even if it doesn't end soon enough, people would still like want to like support her. Right. Because of that. Yeah. I, I just don't think like the big names like her and like what we were saying earlier, like with Leo, I, I don't think they would be doing that much more press anyway. Like they'll just be, um, they'll just have to do like the, the press push for the film when it opens. Right. right. Like that's what we're missing now from Leo. Like he didn't go to the premieres, you know? Right. Um, and no junkets. So they must be loving this. I, that, I mean, like Leo does no press. I'm like, he, like when was the last time he did a late night talk show? Like, and oh. once upon a time in Hollywood does not count. Cause he just did a drive by on Kimmel with Brad and Mark. He did a lot. Uh, it felt like he did for Hollywood. And he did a lot with the three of them together. Yeah, he went, he went, they, he and Brad went on uh, Mark Maron's pod together. Yep. So they did Josh Horowitz, did that interview with the three of them. Yeah. The, the tight, he asked Leo about the Titanic, uh, the and, door. Yeah. And of course that, you know, still get, I that's still viral. viral. I just saw it yeah. the other day, went viral again. Yeah. And then he had to ask um, K1 said about it last year when he talked yeah. to her for Avatar. So, so, like but yeah, I don't think like the, the, it doesn't matter for the big names. I guess like you know for for roundtables and stuff and actors on actors. You know? Yeah, I mean that'd be interesting. To me, I think the two people who would have we would have already been not tired of them, but would have been like inundated with features and stories were Coleman Domingo and Annette Benning, based on how a Telluride they probably would have been like all over the place, right? Like and like maybe even well, got who, Coleman got the a tribute, right? He got a tribute to Tim. I think at Telluride yeah. it was going to be Annette Benning, and mm-hmm. she was going to get a tribute with Nyad. And then at Telluride, at Toronto, Coleman got a tribute, but for Sing Sing. Next year. So they both would have been all over the place and you would have gotten like the coronation of Coleman Domingo and like Annette Benning finally do. And we would have been talking about that over and over again. Yeah, Coleman would be on the ground a lot. Um, I mean, he was on the ground for Euphoria a lot. Right. You know, so, and, and his short film last year, right? Remember he had like an animated short, I think, wasn't yeah. that right? So mm-hmm. I feel like those two would have been like, significantly more visible but i also don't think it hurts yet because like frankly we're not even like if this ends in like a week or so who, nobody's going to care about anything that happened previously you know what i mean people are already forgetting like the writers you know what i mean like i just feel like it's like out of sight out of mind moved on to something new and so like we're not doing oscar nominations for four months or whatever it is three months four months so uh, there's plenty of time for colma domingo to be out there like kissing babies yeah um it like it's october like i've always said like the they need to make the deals for both um the writers and sag by the end of october because i was like the the summer is a wash because like all the producers on vacation and then they'll get serious after labor day and they did and then they have until the end of october because once the holidays roll around they'll just be on vacation again yeah, it'll, it'll be the next couple of weeks at least or latest and then they'll just kind of go back to it and then productions maybe will start before the end of the year but also like I mean, the think, promotion yeah you know like, TV, right like things have already been written so like yeah they can start shooting like right. in january but but yeah like at this point if the strike ends like by the end of the month like i don't think campaigning would have been impacted no. that much and like as we've seen they were they were prepared for this like a lot of them banked interviews like carrie's vote cover right. And so, no, like, that's, that's, that's not calling anyone out. Like, I do believe, because there, there would be paper trails. They could be easily exposed if anything happened after July 14th. <laughs> maybe, maybe easily exposed, but if everybody's in on it. I mean, they would all have to be phone calls, so. 
Maybe not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. They would all have to be phone calls if you don't want a paper. I'm a little more cynical than you. I don't think. I think it's. It's just. I find it curious that every. Not. No. I like. I. I think people are talking about stuff, but I think those interviews were done. I mean, like, like in print, like magazines, like monthly covers. You do have to do that shit very early on, months in advance. Sure, you do. So, I, I'm not saying the, I'm not using Carrie Mulligan as an example. I'm just saying in general, it's it's curious to me that every uh, a lot of interviews have been just happened to be have done the last two days before the SAG strike. That's well, not they didn't say two days before. It could have been done in May. Like it's like we know this movie is coming out at the end of the year, and like we know there's a chance of a strike. And at that point, it's like the writer's strike. Yeah, I, I'll just say I'm a little more cynical. I just I'm not sure with this, but it, it's fine. It doesn't it doesn't bother me either way. I think the whole thing that is like it's all just uh, parlor games basically to me. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then Uri's last one. Uh, I'm asking for your take on the other categories that open up in the prediction center that you haven't yet discussed. Uh, animated. Uh, there are actually eight contenders. I don't believe Mario will be nominated, and the texts look like Oppenheimer and Barbie and Poor Things. The other contenders I'm not sure about. I'm happy Dune moved because with with it in the ceremony, I think it would have been really boring. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, I guess, to his email. Uri. Thanks, Uri. Uh, Just we haven't done these yet. We could, Do you want to do them live? I mean, I don't even know what I had because I haven't touched them in like a month. So we have them. I did. We both have done them, but not talked about them. And we don't need to go deep into this. I guess, but do you want to just go through the back half of the prediction center? It's cinematography, costumes, film editing, production design, and animated feature. Um, cinematography. Oh, wait, where am I? Cinematography. Okay, so I have Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Killers of Fire Moon, Maestro, and the zone of interest. So that's the top five in the odds. I have Oppenheimer, Killers Flower Moon, Poor Things, Maestro, and Saltburn. You're just in the tank for Saltburn. Lena Sandgren just unhinged. It's so good. But he doesn't always get in at slash ever. So I like he's like my favorite cinematographer, but also like not necessarily a slam dunk here with the branch. Uh he Saltburn is in seventh, it looks like. Uh color purple is in sixth, and then Barbie in eighth. Asteroid City and The Killer. I think The Killer we're sleeping on. We're both seeing that on Saturday at New York Film Festival. Uh, I don't really know how, even not having seen it yet, I, I don't I don't know how big The Killer will go over I, there um, with the Oscars. I uh, yeah, I think The Killer Purple getting in. Um, yeah. I can see Past Lives getting in, too. Uh, I think that's a dark horse. Maybe I finally saw it. It's good. Um, you uh, mean the movie or the cinematography? I think the movie is good. I think the cinematography was okay. I kind of yeah, like, the, actually the, movie... think the sound design was better. I think the sound is really good, even though it's not the type of movie that would get in for sound because it's just like talking. But I do think there's a lot of like good sound because there's so many quiet moments in it. Um, that like are well, I, I kind of I could honestly could see the killer getting in because I think uh just the, the tech aspect of it, I think will be well-received, but we haven't seen it yet. So who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't have high expectations for them embracing it. Yeah. Uh, next is uh, costume design. And we both have Oppenheimer winning cinematography, I guess at this point. Yes. Yes. Costume design. Uh, you want to go first? Why are you embarrassed? 
No, I, I just you went first last time, so I figured you could go first again. Um, costume. I have poor things, Barbie, color purple, Maestro, and Killers of the Flower Moon. I have the same five. We're, wow, why are you copying me? Why are you copying me? Uh, we have uh, Flower uh, Maestro is the outlier here because a lot of people have Wonka which I've heard is like a good crafts contender uh, from people who've seen it. Well, I mean, you could just tell by looking at it. <laughs> uh, but the top five are Poor Things Barbie, Killers, Flower Moon, Color Purple, and Wonka, then Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and then Maestro. Having seen Maestro, I would be kind of surprised if it didn't get in. It also has a, it's on the poster, but the, it has like a, it has like the dress kind of thing, which I always feel like when there's like a item of clothing that is a standout thing that helps maybe. So I don't know, but- I could see Wonka getting in, sure, obviously. I think I have Wonka elsewhere. Uh, um, yeah, I think Wonka would just be, like, yeah, you know, total just crafts player, like, costumes, like, Cinderella yeah. style, you know? I think I have it in for production design, too, spoiler alert. And, yeah, I, I think, you know, like, the Maestro costume is just, you know, very classic, obviously, because they it was Mark Bridges, so. That was also why I put it in, because I know he's obviously so beloved by the... Yeah, and he won. He also won a jet ski last time, along yes. with his Oscar for Phantom Thread. So. so, Poor Things versus Barbie seems like a really competitive race, I would say. I have Poor Things, and I think you do as well. I do too, but uh, like I have said previously, when I made the Barbie-Black Panther comparison, like I could see Barbie winning the crafts, the same crafts that... Um, Black Panther one against the favorite. I I could as well. And I think I might actually switch Barbie into first, but I'm not doing it right now. But I, I don't see why I wouldn't win, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I guess the reasoning I had it was because Poor Things is probably a stronger best picture contender, but Barbie's obviously no slouch. And I just think it could easily win. And it's got, again, incredibly memorable costumes, which I think helps. Um, Yeah, and Barbie's also Jacqueline Duran, so... And it's also, uh -huh. a rich, I guess the other thing is like, Poor Things is really elaborate and there are so many cool costumes, but it is still like a costume drama that you've seen shades of before. And Barbie, I think is like wholly original, like some of this stuff. Yeah, it's it more like Black really Panther. Seen. Yeah, it is. Even though I it's mean, like, you know, dolls. Yeah, you haven't really seen like the Ken outfits are like crazy. They're so good. And all of them are so detailed. Um, editing is a fun one, Joyce. Uh, what do you got? editing um i have where's this oppenheimer or things pillows of fire moon the holdovers and barbie i don't i feel like great about this i think i just put these because they were my top five <laughs> Those are the top five in the odds. I have Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Barbie, The Holdovers, and Maestro. I do not have Kills the Flower Moon. Um, I think Killers can just do it because it's Thelma. So uh, that would be the case for it, I would argue. Um, it's been hit, like, it, with the long Marty movies, she's been, like, hit and miss, right? I feel like, like, she got in for Irishman. Yeah. Did she get in for Wolf of Wall Street? Um, Wolf, no. no. But I also feel like that was late. Yeah, so. it was late, but it's awesome. And it should have gotten, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like that was like. I mean, it would have gone in because that, that year, like the the surprise quote unquote nominee was Dallas Buyers Club. 
Right. So they just like everyone just really loved Alice Fives Club. I mean, year. if you watch, I just rewatchable Wall Street. Truly, like the one of the best movies ever made, and like her editing is unimpeachably great. And the reason it's so good is because of the way the movie's put together. And so that she wasn't nominated. I mean, it doesn't mean anything for this, but I'm just like, no, I think that one was just like it was just too late. She's not like a slam dunk to me to get in, even though she's not a shoemaker for this. I'm not sure. I'm not the other problem. The only problem is I'm not sold on Maestro getting in. I found that the way it was edited actually pretty compelling. I like really liked it and the way they kind of move through the story. I think you could argue Anatomy of Fall, which is six in the odds, would maybe get in as well. I think the way that story unfolds is like really well put together. Yeah, I almost put that in instead of Barbie, but I didn't. And I think there's like a lot of options for the last spot. Ferrari, and and again, I'll go back, even the killer, I think, just based on who's doing it and stuff, would be like potentially getting in. It's like, especially because Fincher's success in this category or his movies as well. Um, so I'm not sure about this five either. I don't have Killer's Flower Moon right now. It's second in the odds. I have Oppenheimer. To me, it should win because like we've talked about, it's a three-hour movie that feels like 90 minutes. So like that alone should help it uh, get in and win. But well, it's maybe. also like structurally, it's just very well put oh, together. Like, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> um, Poor Things and Barbie, I think are right along the same... In, in the same league to me because they're so funny and like I think that's like an underrated aspect of editing is like making the jokes land so I don't think either one has a standout of the other one and the holdovers I just feel like it's just an easy editing per, like yeah pick. um so we'll see Maestro I just really I like the way they put it together and I like the way it moved through time and I thought that was like yeah I really like the way they dealt with time there I thought about that too but I just didn't do it so I don't know. There's also, um, you know, like color purple, you know, like you need good editing in a musical. So I don't know what it's like, obviously. But we could, Uh, I could see that too. And it getting in for sound too, like obviously, right? Like um, American fiction is pretty high. Ferrari is pretty high. It's actually right under Maestro. We'll, I'll see when we see it. Uh, Air also in there. Billy Goldenberg uh production design what do you got Joyce production design uh where is this in here I have Barbie Poor Things Oppenheimer Kills of Flower Moon and The Color Purple I actually have the same five I switch from uh, again I switch Wonka out I switch Wonka out for Color Purple oh this is after the trailer uh yeah I have Barbie winning and I think it should win. The production design is awesome. They built so much of it. Uh, everything in it is like really cool, really detailed. Uh, it's it just, I love, I love it so much. Um, but that feels like a good five. I also think Killer's Flower Moon could win here. I would put it even over Oppenheimer. It just looks like a real movie. <laughs> so it helps. You mean like, it looks like Oklahoma? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, the bar is on the ground because of how much shit we have to watch. But I'm like, when movies look like real movies now, I'm like, man, that is great. I love a real movie. Um, so, so would you, I mean, like, I think Oppenheimer looks like a real movie too. And they built a it fake does. town. It does. I, I love Oppenheimer as well. I think they're both great. But I think Flower Moon may be a little higher. I don't know. It just yeah, got that I mean, like, Flower Moon can win all of these crafts too. 
Oppenheimer can win all these crafts. Yeah, like Flower yeah. Moon. I mean, we didn't talk about the Flower Moon costume design really, but it's gorgeous. Love the costumes in Flower Moon. Yeah. So, it, it, I, it, these are like, like we said. These are, this is why these like three movies, four movies, basically if you count poor things, is like they're all gonna get double. They could all get double digit nominations, really. Even Bar, I mean Barbie can easily, um, and they're all gonna be competing for like the same awards. Mm-hmm. And one of them can win all of them. Yeah. So. I guess I will. We'll have plenty of time to talk about this. But do you think one of them can win all of them, like Dune style? Or they could actually, you could actually split if you were being like a nuanced thinker uh, between these movies. Do you think they'll just be lazy and just go right down the middle? Like if the, if one of these movies gains momentum as like the best picture winner, right? Like if it's Oppenheimer all the way and it's going to win best picture, does it just steamroll the crafts then and win like seven or eight Oscars? Well, I mean, I think the Dune sweep happened because it was just, kind of a weak year because it was like coming out of covid you know so there weren't a lot of you know releases i mean there were releases but not you know the the usual um stuff and i think it was just kind of easy for it to dominate in its categories and i i think power of the dog finished second in a lot of categories and you know there's just not enough passion for that movie to win like you know, it it could have won um, cinematography, you know, and it didn't. Right. Um, it could have won sound and it didn't. Um, like they, let me look up those nominees. I don't remember what they were. All of Dune's wins. <laughs> um, yeah, so, do, so Dune original score. So Hans Zimmer won, finally, his second one. He beat... Bertel for Don't Look Up and Kanto. Parallel Mothers, Power of the Dog. Yeah, so Power of the Dog could have won that one. Right. No. And then Sound, it won over Belfast. No Time to Die, Power of the Dog, West Side Story. Makes sense. Yeah. Production Design won over Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. Cinematography beat Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. Editing beat Don't Look Up, King Richard, Power of the Dog, Tick Tick Boom, and visual effects, obviously, over Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, No Way Home. So it was just like so obvious it was winning a lot of these categories. Yeah. Like editing was very up in the air because like different movies were winning everywhere. And like Dune doesn't really have that flashy editing, but it was just like they're just going to give it to it. So then would you say like this, so then you- I, I think this year is more competitive. <laughs> right. So you think there's a world where like Oppenheimer, like there won't be, like if one of these movies emerges as the best picture front runner, it doesn't necessarily mean that these crafts categories will just lock in. No, but I also think that could happen if it's just like a full sweep. Right. But it, it, know, so. I mean, like, I guess if I was going to predict, I mean, like, I think that would be Oppenheimer or Flower Moon. If we like, I don't think Oppenheimer would win- um but yeah like the the arts crafts like costumes or production design i mean i think it could win production design because like you said they built the whole town and like they built the bomb yeah but like i i don't think it's the favorite in that like i think it's the favorite in sound i think you can win sound and cinematography for sure and editing yeah and i think it could win production design if it's like a steamroller I don't think it would win costumes because I think there's too competitive yeah i could also kind of see it missing costumes i i have it in but yeah but like Flower Moon, I could see winning. 
like production design costumes and yeah i don't have it in i think i took it out or no i didn't put it in at all i mean even though i don't have it in for editing it could easily win for editing again similarly like who's gonna who would be upset if thelma shoemaker won another oscar i don't think anybody um we'll talk about these more and then the last one we could predict animated feature is as uri suggested he doesn't believe super mario brothers is a contender uh, and I would say, are you going to come for him? Cause that's your favorite movie of the to year. That, I would say, no, I talked to my kid who's seen it a hundred times and me who's seen it uh, probably eight times. Uh, and it's great. And I have it in there. Um, go ahead. What do you have for this category, Joyce? Animated. Uh, I have Spider-Verse, The Boy and Heron, Elemental, Wish, and Super Mario. I agree. I can see it missing, but I just put it in. I have uh, Spider-Verse, Boy and the Heron, Wish, Super Mario, and Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. I do not have Elemental. I don't think, even though I was heartened when the premature stories are written about how it flopped and then it made like $450 million worldwide. Uh, it's not a movie that has a lot of staying power for anyone. And I just don't even, and I think in animated movies too, like I bet you a lot of voters... I'm sure there are people who are watching these and are like loving them. And I also think there are voters who are like, uh, what are my kids like? <laughs> or what are kids I know like? And I'm like, Elemental is fine. I don't think it's got like a big... It, it, it but just it could also like... have been one of the films that they have seen because it's been yeah. out and they took their kids to see it. Yeah. They I mean, I think a lot of these are... Watch Wish. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to see a lot of these. I think Wish is going to do... I mean, the tracking on Wish, not that the tracking means anything, is like pretty high. So I feel like people are going to definitely see that over Thanksgiving when it comes out. And Chicken Run I put in because it's going to be on Netflix. And the first one was in here, obviously, as well, I think. So uh, I think that'll be easily widely seen. I left out Ninja Turtles, which I think is fifth in our odds. It's Spider-Man, Void in the Heron, Elemental, Witch, and Ninja Turtles. Um. Yeah, I don't have that either. So. Um. And we both have Spider-Verse winning. It seems like pretty obvious that it'll win, even though I don't think it's nearly as good as the first one. And people are finally kind of saying that out loud. Well, people are so mad at it because it ends like an episode of TV. I mean, the ending was the best part. My thing with Spider-Verse, we, we, we talked about this or no? The, the, the opening is like amazing. The Spider-Gwen like origin story that they do basically for like the first 25 minutes. And then the end is great because it's more back goes back to the Spider-Gwen. And then everything in the middle is just like, uh, and I'm like, if they were going to do this, they probably could have just done a, a Spider-Gwen movie because I think Haley Steinfeld is great as I, I mean it, it's, it's just really very much structured as the the second movie you know and yeah. then it's like they're just trying to set up and then with the ending too so all right we've we've so many more emails here Joyce we will go through the we'll speed through these because we've been I, mean, I feel like we've talked so much um let me see here did we do this one? No. Here's from Nick. Uh, huge fan of the podcast and you're writing for many years now. Wow. Thanks. Many years. I was wondering if you've heard any inside scoop on Napoleon. It feels like one of these, the last question marks of the season that could shake up the race. Could a successful release of the film pull votes from Oppenheimer? Both films are historical war or war adjacent biopics appealing to an older male crowd. However, Napoleon seems more action packed which could appeal to more voters like who like Nolan's films, but perhaps expected more bombs to go off. Would love to hear your thoughts. Cheers, Nick. 
um, well, there's going to be a four hour cut on Apple. <laughs> so haven't seen it yet. Love Ridley Scott. We were on, we love, I love House of Gucci, big fan. But when you're already talking about the director's cut before the real version comes out and is in theaters, I always, I just find that like not the greatest sign. Haven't seen it. Don't really know anybody who's seen it. Um, I know it's been seen, but I, but I like, it's kind of like a color purple situation. I think a few people have seen it. Yeah, like a few people have seen it. So it's going to be a big priority probably for Apple slash under flower moon and then sony i think would have yeah. more of a stake in it because they're releasing it theatrically and they'll probably want to do it since dumb money didn't go anywhere so um yeah i it's like obviously flower moon is apple's top priority I, so we talked about this i think in the column i think if it's a good movie I, regardless vanessa kirby i think could get a lot of momentum in supporting actress because that's kind of more open now Sounds like she's like a co-lead that they're going to run in supporting actress. And I don't know. I could see her getting in maybe even as a lone nominee, but as we've seen with like Ridley movies recent of recent vintage, they're not the most, yeah, they're not most nom- not, they're not, not the very most successful. Yeah. So justice for the last duel. Um, I mean like that would be like Jodie Comer getting in or maybe she should have gotten in like who knows. So I don't know. I, I just, I feel like it's so, like there's been, you know, like obviously footage from it, but it's it's another late release. And I I can see it kind of getting lost um in there. Like I think there there will be interest in it, but um I don't know. I think it just it could just be like a movie that's released <laughs> and yeah. maybe it gets like a couple craft nominations. Like I don't know about Joaquin either yeah i don't have him in i mean it's pretty competitive i don't know um next up we have riley joyce emailed us at slugfest at goldderby.com hey joyce and chris it's been a bit since my last email i'm typically more invested in the emmys than the oscars but i've been feeling burnt out with the tv academy's apathy towards better call saul and now i'm all in on the oscars this year I wanted to talk about Ryan Gosling's chances to win for Barbie. You mentioned in a recent slugfest that Gosling winning seems pretty unlikely, but I'm not sure I totally agree. Gosling as Ken has arguably received more buzz and discussion than any other supporting performance this year with countless memes and discussions about him. And while you're right that the Academy doesn't typically award comedic performances, it's worth remembering that comedy films are also not typically best picture nominated, which are many are expecting Barbie to be. And while Mark Ruffalo is also giving a comedic performance, I don't feel his level of buzz comes anywhere near close to Gosling's to risk overshadowing him, especially since the overwhelming majority of poor things is acting buzz is centered on Emma Stone. I understand that RDJ is the current front runner and he could very well end up sweeping, but I have a feeling that this category will be one of those cases where voters don't really care about narrative or momentum and simply pick Gosling because they love his performance. Obviously it's too early for anyone to truly know anything, but I'd still love to hear your thoughts. That's from Riley. Pretty convincing. You're the Barbie stan. I gotta say, really convincing me uh, that he can win. Are you going to switch to Ryan? I'm going to keep RDJ, but I'm going to put Ryan in, in second uh, where I didn't have him. I think I had Ruffalo in second. Um, and now Ryan is in second. There he is. So uh, you talk about this a lot. We've talked about this a lot. They just vote for what they like. 
And I yeah. think there is a world where they just love him in the movie. He's it's impossible not to like him in this movie. And I think, yes, everybody will be talking about RDJ. And I think the narrative is great. And like, he's also great. And people clearly love him in the movie. But I could just see a world where people are like, I'm just gonna, I like Ryan Gosling the most. I'm going to vote for him. And if enough people do that, uh, then he could win. So I, I don't think it's off base. No, I don't think so either. But I will just say um, it's important not to conflate like the general public's love for this performance um, and like the media hype and love for this performance with whatever the industry's feeling is about this performance. Like I do think the industry loves the movie a lot and probably love him too. But like, it's not like a one-to-one comparison. Like they could love him and love like Robert De Niro more, you know? Or, you know, whoever, like RDJ. Buffalo. I mean, that's what the yeah. category is incredibly competitive. And you have like four actors. Yeah. Like, I do think if you're going to pull like film Twitter, like Ryan would probably win. Um, if like, you know, they were the ones. And, yeah. and just even just like regular people like normies, you know, like right. he would probably come out in first. Yeah. But they're also not the ones voting no. for the Oscars. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of things would have to like fall in line for him like i i think he would have to sweep and if he doesn't sweep i think he would really need a lot of apathy for the other nominees yeah and i don't think that would be the case so uh next up we have justin Hey guys, love your show. And Joyce, we're apparently the same high school year from the New York City area. So your 2000 stories always ring, ring true for Aww. me. It's, it's a class of 2003. It's my 20 year anniversary. Wow. Are you going to yeah. go to your high school reunion? I don't know. I don't think I ever went. I, I never went to the 10 year. They I did do but college, but not They stay because they're like, we have to buy tickets. So mm-hmm. they've been posting about that and encouraging people to buy tickets. So yeah. I've been thinking lately that Greta Gerwig and especially Christopher Nolan have a good shot to win Oscars this year. But even if they don't, the 2017-18 director race is becoming more and more legendary as that year's newcomers, Peel and Gerwig, keep adding to their careers. Not necessarily, not necessarily for the nominated films. I don't really love Shape of Water, but it's fine. But Guillermo del Toro, Christopher Nolan, Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, and Paul Thomas Anderson is, I think, safe to say now, five for five on directors whose careers will be remembered for decades can you think of a better lineup this century again for their careers not just the films in question and it'll be strange if after this year the only one without an oscar is pta someday thanks for we've your talked work. about this before <laughs> we have so like what do you think though in this century would be a better lineup than that i, I was having I mean, that, that's time. a pretty baller lineup um so uh, I would have to look. Let me see. I have to look so we'll go up. back to. Do you want to count two thousand? Even though that's well, for, yes, because that's the films of two thousand. I mean, that was a great lineup too. Double Steven. Double so, Steven. Um, Ridley. Ridley, Angley, and Stephen Daldry. Yeah, that's a great lineup. That's um, great, but not not tops. Uh, two thousand and one is almost great. I'd actually say it's pretty great if you count if you compare. It, it's it, just it's really the winner. In 2001. I like Ron Howard movies, though. In Oscars playback. Yes. So I feel like we should remember what we said. But I I like Ron Howard a lot. I think he's like a real fun filmmaker. I I do too, but not this movie. Not for this movie, but just saying career-wise. This is Ron Howard, Robert Altman, Peter Jackson, David Lynch, and Ridley Scott. That's pretty great. 
I yeah, think. that's a good lineup. Um, 2002. 2002 is Polanski, Pedro Almodovar. Liam Brown Marshall. D- Daldry and Scorsese. Not not great. Uh, 2003, I think, is up there. But I think the one we're talking about, 2017-18, is better. Peter Jackson, Sofia Coppola, Clint Eastwood, uh, Fernando Morales, and Peter Weir. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2004, Eastwood, Taylor Hackford, Mike Lee, and Alexander Payne, and Marty. So, um, not not quite all there. I would uh, say 2005, well, Mike Lee. 2005. What's in which one of these is not like the other? Ang Lee, George Clooney, Paul Haggis, Bennett Miller, and Steven Spielberg. Wow, that's a real tough one. Uh, 2006, Scorsese, Eastwood, Stephen Frears, Paul Greengrass, and Alexander Alejandro Gonzalez and Yari too. Yeah, um, it's it's okay. It's I mean it's good. Not Again, the biggest Frears. Not the biggest Frears guy. Uh, yeah. This one is pretty good. 2007, but could have been all time based on the year. But it's the Coens, PTA, Tony Gilroy, Jason Reitman, and Julian Schnabel. Yeah, this is a good lineup. Uh, 2008, Boyle, Daldry, Fincher, Howard, and Gus Van Zandt. Um, this, yeah, this is like mid. I like it's good. I would just place in the middle, like a lot of these. I, I do recall saying that in Oscar's playback, I don't often think about Danny Boyle. That's not a slight. It's just like, I don't really think about him a lot. He's not on that level of like the guys. And gals. Uh, 2009, Bigelow, Cameron, Lee Daniels, Jason Reitman, and Tarantino. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. 2010, Tom Hooper, Aaron Aros- Darren Aronofsky, Coens, Fincher, David O. Russell. I'm not a big uh, Russell guy. so I am, and I think there's one later, actually, that rivals uh, the one you're talking about, we're talking about, but not this one. Uh, 2011, uh, Michel Hazanovic, uh, I forgot how to do his name. Just- I knew it in 2011. I can't do it now uh, for the artist. Woody Allen, Terrence Malick, Alexander Payne, and Scorsese. This will be the fourth time, I think, that Alexander Payne and Scorsese are in the same director race if they both get in. Is that right? That's funny. Uh, 2012 is Ang Lee, Michael Haneke, David O. Russell, Spielberg, and the immortal Ben Zeitlin. Just the best year ever, really. (laughs) Uh, So this is the year I would say rivals the Gerwig Nolan year uh alfonso coran steve mcqueen alexander payne david o russell and martin scorsese i would just say no just because i'm not into david russell so so i am and i think this is like i mean coran mcqueen and marty are like all time they're great i mean there's there's usually in these there's usually like one or two people i'm not really into so 2014 is inari to wes anderson linklater bennett miller and morton tildum the imitation game. 2015 is Inari to Lenny Abrahamson, Tom McCarthy, Adam McKay, and George Miller. Uh, you know, Adam McKay, not not super popular, but I like the big short. I, I really like this lineup, but I feel like in terms of like their careers, Lenny Abrahamson and Tom McCarthy are solid, but not like marquee no. filmmakers. And they've done great TV, honestly, but like they're not they're not on the level of McKay, George Miller, and Inari too. And certainly no, not on the level. And, of and it was people. like, obviously they were not winning this either. No, no. So 2016, another almost so close. Uh, Damien Chazelle, Mel Gibson. 
uh, Barry Jenkins, Kenneth Longer, and Denny Villeneuve. That's four out of five aim pad. 2017 wow. is Del Toro, Anderson, Gerwig, Nolan, and Peel. That's just amazing. Uh, 2018, Koran, Lanthimos, Spike, Adam McCann, and Powell, Powell, Powellikowski. Yeah, uh, I like that one too. Not, I wouldn't say it's my fave, but it's it's good. This one I like too. Uh, this is a may vary. This one is but. great, I think. Bong Joon Ho, Sam Mendes, Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese, and Quentin Tarantino. I'm not the biggest. Yeah, I mean, Joker I'm not like movie. I'm not a big Joker fan either. But I am a big fan of The Hangover and Old School, and so the first not, Hangover, the first Hangover. The other two don't count. Uh, and Sam Mendes, I think, has made great movies, and obviously Marty Scorsese and Bong Joon Ho are like all time. Though if this was like Greta for Little Women instead of yeah, that would Todd, that would that would make it great. 2021, 2020 would be uh, Chloe Zhao, Lee, Isaac Chung, Emerald Fennell, Fincher, and Vintenberg. Maybe too close, too early to say. We're only on like second. Yeah, I mean, like you, you know, you're you're the number one Saltburn stan. So. I mean, Saltburn is the best. I, I think Emerald and David Fincher are really, really great. I'm not the biggest Chloe Zhao fan. And and Lee as like Chung uh, is doing twisters. Yeah. 21 so. is almost great. Jane Campion, PTA, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Rasuge uh, Hamaguchi, and Steven Spielberg. I mean, they like resume wise, I think, you know, like, like Ken has had good early stuff. That's that's nice. That's very diplomatic. And then twenty uh, last this year uh, or twenty twenty two, the uh, Daniels, Todd Field, Martin McDonough, Ruben Osland, and Steven Spielberg. Again, I may be too early to tell because like the Daniels have made like successful movies. Obviously, everything everywhere and um, I mean that was their second movie. <laughs> what was the what was the corpse one? Uh, uh, Swiss Army Man. Remember that's it. So I'm like, those are solid. Like, we'll see. They're not like, like they would need, like Jordan Peele obviously has now made three awesome movies. Greta, like the third movie kind of helped elevate, I think that one we're talking about. So we'll see. Um, that's a fun exercise though. A lot of good directors. I like, that's why the director's branch is fun because they they can be, they can be incredibly clubby, but like they're just so idiosyncratic and they could just, zig when everyone else has zagged throughout the season mm -hmm. it's like you could have seen that aaron sorkin's snub coming for chicago seven yeah you know it's like you knew that was happening so what's the snub this year and what's in the top five <laughs> well i mean i think right now let me see i mean i it's it's hard to fill it out for me because it's so competitive so right like, now the top Greta, five the top five is Nolan, Marty, Yorgos Lanthimos, Greta Gerwig, and Jonathan Glazer, and then Alexander Payne. So I think you have no Greta. I don't have Greta. I have Justine Trey. But again, mm -hmm. like I said, like I, I can totally see Jonathan Glazer <laughs> get again. And I, I feel like because that's he's like that's exactly the type of directing nomination they would do. So then who would like here's the thing who would miss if that happened? If my my five right now are, are Nolan, Lanthimos, Greta, Marty and alexander payne 
I think a lot of people would say like Greta would be an easy miss, but I actually think she's kind of in now with the club. And I wonder if Alexander Payne would miss. I would say of of those, it would be one of them, those two. Because we all kind of think the top three feels pretty Yeah, set, like I right? think those three are in. So I think it would be one of them. I mean, I would say Payne maybe because I'm just not sure. But I also think Justine Trier could get in too. And so... It's a very it's gonna be very competitive. And we didn't even mention Bradley Cooper, who maybe uh has a I mean, we both said has last he, week. Has he risen since last week? I don't even know where he was he before. Is, let's see. The top five, like I said, Nolan Scorsese, Lanthimos, Greta, Jonathan Glazer, then Payne in sixth, Justine Trier in seventh, Celine Song in eighth, and Bradley in ninth, Blitz Bazawule in tenth. Hmm. I mean, it's like it's a shame that's so crowded, but like Bradley would, I think in a, in a softer year, he would have a, a stake it's a better a, claim. It's a tough year. Like I said, Greta Garwick always competes in tough years. So. I think she'll get in. I just think people really like it, but we'll see. Um, this one's from Sebastian. Hi, Joyce and Chris. First, I want to say that I enjoy your slugfest about award season, especially the Academy Awards. Here's my take. As a fellow German who is living not far from the birthplace of Sandra Huller, I am rooting for her to get the nomination for Best best Actress and even win. Here in Germany, she is a very respected, a Cape Blanchett type, if you will, and she has done good work for many years, especially dramatic roles. But I can tell you she can be damn funny in a comedy, too. For her to get all the international praise now makes me very proud. I'm really looking forward to seeing Anatomy of Fall soon, as it hits theaters here in Germany, November 2nd. What do you think? Does she, she have a shot to win? Or will she be more of the international nominee that does not get in everywhere, but lands the Oscar nomination in the end? That's from Sebastian. I feel like it right now it feels more of the latter. <laughs> I personally think people are really sleeping on her. I feel like I've seen pundits even not predicting her. Yeah, I, I've seen people drop her as other things have been seen. I, I still have her in third. And I could honestly make... I, I really could make a case for her winning because I just think it's so crowded and competitive that you're going to have a lot of people supporting a lot of these, whatever the five ends up being, I think you could, I mean, we'll see at the time, maybe we'll be like, Oh, no way. Because like, who knows, but I feel like you could really make a case for anyone winning here. And so I think that helps her because of her probably broad international support. And in a tight race, maybe that kind of gives her an edge. If a lot of uh, the Hollywood types are like, I love Emma Stone, but I also love Carrie Mulligan, but I also love Natalie Portman, but I also love Margot Robbie. You know what I mean? Like if they're all like all these mainstream, like A-list stars are like splitting their little pockets of support that gives room for someone like Sandra Huller to maybe emerge and win. Yeah, I can, I can see her doing well um, with critics. Like I can see her taking one of the big three and I I don't have her winning the globe, but I can see her winning the globe in drama, kind of like Isabel Hubert did, who did not win because Emma Stone won. Right. So I, um I don't think she would win SAG. So I definitely don't think she'll win SAG. And I think if she gets nominated in SAG, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But like we said, the movie is really down the middle. And I think that helps too. It's very, very accessible. Like you're not asking, you're not asking for like someone to watch like some austere uh international film. it's not her other movie the zone of interest no it's not and i'm like i think that'll really help because i think like you said it's like people love hbo procedurals and prestige tv well and- so the other thing i've also noticed is because like um uh, 
actress has gotten crowded you know now like lily's in lead and like you know people have seen maestro and everything and are also like they've started predicting care to win some people um i've seen people start to predict sandra in supporting for zone of interest i don't think she'll get double nominations um and if i had to pick one nomination for her to get i think her chances would be an actress even though it was the crowd or more crowded category than supporting because zone of interest is not really an acting showcase whereas she is just all over anatomy of fall <laughs> yeah i also having seen zone of interest and villains and like certainly reprehensible people have been nominated for four and that's uh, like a great way to get an oscar nomination playing that kind of character um but wow i would just say like it would it would just be surprising to me it, it, I, I just don't think you walk out of that movie feeling like I really want to like, I don't know. I, I don't think you want to like, feel like I, I just, I, put it I, in. I think like that movie can get nominations, but I wouldn't put acting. No, I acting. agree. Like, yeah. I, so. I, I think when you walk out, of, I, I was, when I walked out of the movie, I was like, wow, what an incredible filmmaking achievement, sound, yes. directing, cinematography, the score. Like, and then like the acting, I'm just like, I never want to see these people again. Uh, so <laughs> Just straight up, like, don't want to think about this. I uh, don't want to look at these people again. And I just think that'll be a wall of uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think like running. she'll like they'll like quote unquote take care of her in supporting because no. is too I don't think they think like that at all. And <laughs> so. obviously, people have like been nominated for playing Nazis and reprehensible people before. But I, again, the way the movie is presented, it's not like like Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List is like a villain you know what, like you know what I mean it's a different flavor yeah. of performance than this is so I was just like no no fucking way I don't want to see these people again uh anyway so I, I don't think she'll get in for that but I do think she could win for her actress yeah and I do think um she she's been uh dropped too quickly me too but, uh, but then you know I'm her. I'm over here you know I drop Fantasia but only because like it hasn't been seen yet yeah and I just with the best actor we'll talk actually we can talk about best director, actors here because face all is back with an email and it's about best actress as well so we'll go there and we can keep talking about this uh face all emailing us at slugfest at goldderby.com hi joyce and chris really enjoying your weekly oscar discussions i know this may be a little crazy to think about now but how locked is lily gladstone for a best actress nomination really i know she is in a top five movie with killers of flower moon although not as solid as on that as before but is there a case where the movie gets irishmaned without the supporting actors, of course. I already have Leo out, and I could see Lily just as easily not getting nominated. I could see her being a lot of voters as four, fourth or fifth choice, but I think she could struggle finding the passion if other contenders' spots begin to take shape like Emma Stone for poor things. The only thing I think is helping her right now is that there isn't a consolidated set of passion picks to choose from with the best actress race still wide open. I also see the fact that she is essentially a supporting character in the film really hurting her especially when we have so many great female lead capital C cinema movies this year. I'm thinking Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Poor Things, and Maestro. Michelle Williams was able to easily switch categories and get in because she has more of a name and was nominated multiple times before. Plus her category was nowhere near as competitive as it is this year. And although I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon, Michelle did have a lot of Oscar clips. I know this is very early and quite speculative, and I still have Lily as my number three, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, I'm curious to know if he saw drop Leo because of you or did you already have him out? I don't know. I doubt anybody's watching this or listening to this and going, I'm going to follow Chris's lead on anything. So You never know. You never know. <laughs> um, 
So Faisal is wary of her even getting the nomination. He still has a ranked third. He hasn't seen it. He hasn't seen it. Big caveats um, here. Yes. Um, I have her in third too. I have her in fourth, but I still have her in. Yes. I think she can get in. Just if if the movie is, um, you know, like top three or like top five, like a top contender, like I think that could be enough to carry her in. Even if you have reservations about other aspects of the film or like her performance. Like I think the movie could be strong enough to carry her in. So, but it is, it is a tough category. Um, and yeah, I never uh, put her in first when she went lead. Uh, neither did I. I have her in fourth. I feel pretty confident that she'll get in. I don't, I would be very surprised actually if she did not get in. Um, regardless of the, like the length, like whatever, whatever, like it's not even worth really talking. I mean, who cares really at this point because she's campaigning in lead. So it's actually not worth like, Oh, it's like it doesn't matter where where she is. It doesn't. Yeah, and those are like where she is and like what the role is in the movie are two completely different things. And so <laughs> the campaign and right. the role. And so she's good enough to get in. Like Spike Lee said, he's got he she's got his vote. Well, too bad he's not nominating her. So he's not. But she's got his. He'll vote. he'll vote for her to win. <laughs> um. So yeah, but I do think like she she would have the passion to get the number one votes to get in. Like, I, I don't think she's like a four it. or five. And I actually don't know. We Like I said, I have literally no idea who's going to. I mean, I have Emma Stone in first, but I'm not. Are you really yeah, sure I don't, she's going to win? I, <laughs> like, I think, you know, like any of these people can win. <laughs> I think any of these people can. My five is right now is Emma Stone, Carrie Mulligan, Sandra Huller, Lily Gladstone, and Margot Robbie. I, think, I have Emma, Carrie, Lily, Sandra, and Annette. Okay. And then we neither of us have Fantasia. I would have Annette if I didn't have Margot. Fantasia, obviously there. Natalie Portman and Greta Lee hanging around. Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla, I think, could probably maybe get in. And then after that, you're into, like, the longer shots, like Anjanae Ellis and Tiana Taylor. Um, and Jodie Comer for my beloved bike riders. Uh, I can make a case for any of these people winning. And I can honestly make a case for some of them missing. Like, obviously, Margot Robbie, I think, could miss. Though, more, more and more, I when I the brief moments I get to talk to people who are like in the, the know. You're just surrounding yourself with it's certainly like self-selecting bias, but I was like, people do love her and they love the movie. I think she can get in. Um, I like you had mentioned like Carrie, I think has gotten great reviews, but there is a world where she just doesn't get in even right. And maybe she's like a four or five for people, but I think she's gotten in because of the reviews are so good and she's great, but it's not and, like and a, she is, she is like, you know, they've, they've been pushing Lily um, Carrie is also the heart of her movie. Right. So I, I feel like she could get in or maybe, I don't know. And like we were just saying, Sandra Huller, who knows either, right? I, I We both think she's in, but I mean, I yeah, guess like I don't, I don't think Lily would miss. And whether she wins at this point, it's really hard to say because like we yeah. said, like if the movie gets so much momentum and like people really respond to it, it, it very easily could see her winning regardless of the role size it doesn't really matter they're voting for something they like and they like her whether it's lead or supporting it doesn't matter they're still gonna like her and so maybe she wins and maybe in the category where it's like emma stone is a front runner but has won already and maybe it's like you know 
I don't know if they think like this or not. They didn't with like Frances McDormand, right? But like, they don't I don't think I don't think they need to give her another Oscar. They right now. think about that. Real, I think if like if they just like you the most, then they'll just vote for you. It's I mean, not like inhibit them from doing we, so. We talked about this in like, and I still would scoff at it, but like, so not comparing it to last year, but like just in terms of last year or this year, uh. Kate Blanchett, they just like Michelle Yeoh more. That's why they, she. That won. was their favorite movie. It won their seven Oscars. Favorite movie, and they liked it, and that's why she won. Um, yeah. and she was the movie, and she was the heart of the movie, but she was also the movie, and so like this is a little tricky. Then with Lily, it's not a great comp, like we said, because she's maybe the heart of the movie if you want to give them that benefit of the doubt, but she's not the movie compared to like. Michelle. No, she's not the unequivocal uh, unequivocal lead of the movie like some of these other women are. And this year, not even last year, like Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, you so, know, or Andrea Riseborough and right. Anna de Armas. So who knows? But like, I could, I definitely, I would, I would be. I mean, at this point, I would be actually shocked if she doesn't get in. Lily Gladstone. I just think it's like they like the movie, so why wouldn't? Yeah, she I think I think she's in, and I think the win thing is a different conversation and obviously we need to see how everything else unfolds like i could see her winning the globe i don't have her winning the globe but i can see her winning the globe i think sag would be the trickiest just because her performance is so subtle and that's not really the type of thing they go for right um, uh, i think she'll get into bafta you know uh i don't know if she'll win bafta but i think i think she'll get into bafta we're so. running we're running up on time joyce i want to do i got one two and then like five more last five they're quick though i think some of these will be quick slugfest at goldderby.com uh please keep the emails coming if we didn't get to your email this week i probably will get to it next week if not enough people email in i guess so just not not ignoring your emails uh this one's from josh first time emailer from ottawa thanks for emailing josh oh canada you two are my go-to for all awards coverage thank you i have a question how would you rank your picks for the big six awards in terms of confidence? One being the most confident and six being the least confident. Um, like who's going to win? Yes. So we'll do picture, director, actress, actor, and supporting actress and supporting actor. I don't feel confident about any of them. <laughs> I guess maybe... Probably RDJ in supporting. So is it easier to go? I don't I don't feel confident in any of these either. But if I was going to rank them in the six, I would say number one most confident would be RDJ in supporting. And number two most confident for me would be Nolan for director. Yeah, I would probably say the same. Number three for me would be picture for Oppenheimer but I'm not very confident in that. So take that. I guess, so work. then the other ones, what are left? So actor. Actress, supporting actress, and actor. And those are all no yeah, confidence. Out, out of what's left, I would do picture third. And then um, <laughs> I don't, because I, I have Killian still. I have Bradley. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe, would say, I would, maybe I would do supporting actress last. Like I would the, do supporting actress last because I have literally no idea. And I would do actress just above it because I also don't think it's very I'm very clear. And then actor. Yeah. Like and, those are like a flip-flop for me and like fourth yeah. and fifth. Uh so 
It's exciting. But I'm not, not confident in any of them. We're not confident in any of this. That's exciting when it's like this. This is why phase one is the best part of the season. Like it's so boring in phase two, especially when people have won things and then things are like settling into place and it could just be a lot of rubber stamping. Uh, here's one from, from Angie, another first time emailer. Uh, emailed us at slugfestigolder.com. I'm seeing chatter already about Charles Melton as if he's seemingly come out of nowhere. I know you guys touched on this a bit already and I don't want to rehash the whole, the CW exists thing from last year, even though it seems like he might just be this year's Austin Butler. So instead, I must ask, who do you think is next in the CW to Oscar pipeline? It's from Angie. Joyce, what do you think? Well, I mean, we have to make the distinction that uh, the CW under new ownership now. So the current CW, not the same as the old CW from which Charles Melton came. Right. And also Austin Butler. Right. Um, but... Uh, I have to say, I have not watched a lot of recent CW. I was way out on any of that superhero nonsense. Oh, yeah. Like the, the Arrowverse. Arrowverse? Didn't yeah, watch any of not, that. not doing that. But I would say, I guess the most obvious picks I, and that like uh, people in general would, would go to would be Rachel Bloom and Gina Rodriguez. Also, because like they had the most award success for their shows, yes. Golden Globe winners. Um, but those are too obvious because I don't think anyone would have been like Charles Melton. You know, so I don't know. I guess I would have looked at the cast. I'll, I'll tell you, I got two right away. I know. Okay. Camila Mendez. Of course, your fave. Should have gotten an Oscar nomination for Do Revenge. Arguably better than most of the Best Actress nominees last year or this year. And uh, Leighton Meester. Those are my two. Um, and yeah, if I, I put think, them in I think movie. I would be okay with like almost anyone from Gossip Girl. Like Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Sebastian Stan probably is actually legitimately like probably the closest yeah. to getting an Oscar nomination. Um, I would say this is this is old school CW. Too. That's where my that's more my yeah. That's like our generation. CW. Uh, Penn Badgley, I think, is good in a particular role. Yeah, you know, if like Blake Lively acted again, she was fun. Loved her in the town. I know you did too. Great performance. Leighton, uh, I think, is like really fun. Camila Mendez, though, I just think is like an outstanding talent. She's so good. So, like, I would definitely think she can get in. It would have to be, like, I mean, I don't know. It'd have to be, like, who could do it? Like, it, it, honestly, put her in a Todd Haynes movie it would be pretty great, I would say. I mean, CW has a lot of people. I mean, not CW, Riverdale. Yeah. So. I really like Lily Reinhardt, I think, in the right stuff. Yeah, Lily Reinhardt, like Cole Sprouse. Um, Madeline Pesh. I also like Ross we also, Butler. Are we, like, we mean like the the young people. We're, we're not counting the adults. I mean, I guess we're not talking about the adults, though. Like Matthew Settle, let's go. Bring him back. Uh. Um, yeah, I don't know. What other... That, yeah, I don't... Any of the other Arrowverses? Stephen Amell. Uh... I like I like uh Melissa Benoist just like in general. Oh, she was really nice. I love her in uh a lot of stuff. I, I did watch the Supergirl pilot because it was originally on CBS and I got like the screener for that. So right. I watched, but I never watched it again. <laughs> um we got another run yeah, here. I mean, like I like also Grant Gustin as like just a person. Yeah, seems nice. These yeah, next two are emails that are not about the Oscars, but I think we'll both, we'll both enjoy. Uh, and you can email us about anything, really. Slugfest at goldderby.com. 
This one's from Ben, who must be a Twitter follower for me. Uh, the Mets have blown things after a disappoint blown things up after a disappointing season, Chris. What are your thoughts about all the changes to the front office? Does this make you feel better about next year? Ben, thank you. Can we just say um for your birthday present, Buck Show Walter stepped down? Get him out. And then I understand that he had to resign in disgrace because they're doing some fraud bullshit investigation into the way he uh, handled the injury list. But Billy Epler also get out. Yeah, so, he he was out like two days later. So yeah, now it's he was of like a new fake position. He wasn't going to resign. <laughs> he wasn't going to resign. He's the GM for the Mets, if you're watching this and what we're talking about. And then the he resigned abruptly after the Mets brought in a new president of baseball operations. Yeah. The reason he resigned, it was reported, is because he perhaps... Uh, did some shenanigans with the injury list by putting players who weren't injured on the injury list. Just have to tell you, if you're watching this and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Baseball players who go on the injury list are not always injured. It's, it's a kind of a scam. Yeah. Um, that, that happens a lot, not just in baseball. They but... call it a phantom injury. Mm-hmm. Usually you do it with someone who's terrible or someone who uh, is having a tough time of it, or maybe just, you need to make room for somebody who's better and you go, Hey, I could either cut you or put you on the fake injury list. If I cut you, you get no money. If you're on the fake end, realize we'll still pay you, whatever. Yeah, uh, you just, you don't want them in the rotation. Yeah. For the day. Anyway, he had to resign. So I'm all in on this. I love David Stearns. He's the guy they brought in. I'm weighing on Steve Cohen spending money. We're back at it. And as you're watching the baseball playoffs, choice, the thing I realized is all you do is just get in. Uh, so if the Mets get in next year, they have a good lineup. Yeah, they, they got go. in last year and then fucked it up. So as we usually do. We don't need to be. Uh, too good the Dodgers are no no and that, yeah because it's a completely different ball game no pun intended good uh, postseason love that so I haven't watched that much I I was forced to watch the Phillies and the Braves over the weekend which you know I I hate both of them I hate so, both of them but I'll tell you what I'm weighing on the Phillies because I really really hate the Braves and I hate their I fans. do same same thing like like the Braves I want to win the least so I have <laughs> to root for the Phillies and a yeah. lot of like my college friends are Phillies fans yeah. that's kind of like really where my additional hatred of the Phillies came from <laughs> I never it's funny growing up they were always terrible when I was met like in the 80s the Phillies were just a joke yeah. and so even when they got good I just never really hated them like I hated the Braves because the Braves were so yeah good. I yeah I I would say I, I was just kind of like apathetic towards the Phillies. Yeah. But I hated the Braves. But then like college, um, like so many of my friends were Phillies fans. So, I was so like, you hated the Phillies. Yeah. Same thing with the Eagles. Like I never really thought about the Eagles. Yeah. But then like college, I'm like, fuck the Eagles. So. Uh, and this one's from Nathan, another one off topic, but at least on entertainment. Uh, I know it's Oscar season, but Loki is finally back after two years. It's one of the few Marvel shows that seems to be on Emmy voters' radars. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about season two. And if you think the show has any chance of being nominated or even winning next year, Joyce, you watch the screeners because you're a little more with it than me. I just watched the first episode. Yeah. They sent four. I watched all four, obviously. Um, Good time. Uh, This week's episode, the second episode, which is out today, I guess, Thursday when this is out uh, is McDonald's. Great. That's that was the button on the first episode. So yeah, that was the the post credits in Mm -hmm. the season premiere, 1982, Oklahoma McDonald's. So this one they're there. Um, and, and then, yeah, uh, four ends on a hilarious cliffhanger. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, like the first season it got, um, some guild nominations and then got some below the line Emmy love. I can totally see it getting back in for production design and score Natalie Holt all the way. Great score. Beautiful score. Yeah. I really love Owen Wilson in the first episode. And I got to yeah. say, 
uh, Kiyu Kwan, absolutely awesome. It's great. I totally prefer him in this than everything everywhere. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I think he's so funny and he's got the, the right sense of humor for it and the deadpan delivery. And he works so well with Owen Wilson and Tom. It's just great. So he I haven't seen the other- with everyone. Is he in it a lot more? Yeah, he's in he's in every episode. Okay. I think. Yeah, he's in Good. every episode. Well, that makes the me four happy. I've seen. And he has like a part in four because he has to build something. And mm-hmm. then he's like, he has to build it in a very short period of time. So then he's like embarrassed that he only put one coat of paint on it. <laughs> nice. I also liked uh, how the show handled like the time displacement and time travel aspect of it. And like that scene in the first episode when Tom is talking to past he, Yukon, and then current, uh, present Kiyukwan is like in real time processing it. I just found all that like really, really cool. I don't know. I truly have no idea what's happening on the show. Like at oh, all. Oh yeah. Like you, you don't really need to understand like the time jargon and yeah. all that. You just, you just know that there's like a past and a future really. I, uh, I gotta say I was way out on a lot of the most recent Star Wars stuff. I haven't watched the Star Wars show in a long time and the Marvel stuff just overall outside of like Guardians 3, I've been like really down on. Yeah. And this is, and I really loved Loki when it was first on. I think it was my favorite of like the early stage TV stuff. And so I was like nervous because it's a new creative team and like nothing Marvel has been really great lately. But I was very pleasantly ha- surprised by the first episode. So I'm, I'm hoping the rest is good and you've seen it. So you said it is. So that's good. Yeah. Like there, it's just very contained uh like it's like the whole scene is, is just about them like fixing the timeline i guess is the easiest way you can say it right and like um so jonathan majors uh in it he he comes in in the third episode or comes back i guess in the third so he's in three and four okay um and he also has great chemistry with kihi kwan <laughs> so interesting i'm excited to see it mm-hmm. uh and then last email here. And like I said, if you emailed, I got some other emails here from, uh, let me see, who did I not do? I'm just going to say it because of Daniel, if you were upset or, or D- David L, I'm sorry. I'll read these, I promise, next week, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> this one's from Henry, though. Last week we ended the show, Joyce, I said I ran into a fan at a Maestro. His name was Henry. And guess what? Henry wrote in. He found I, us. We're, we're like sort of pen pals, I guess. Slugfest at goldderby.com. Henry, thank you. Hi, Chris and Joyce. Thanks for the shout out on the last episode. I've been a big fan of Gold Derby since ever, since 2011 when I was in high school. And I've been watching and listening to your Slugfest for years. It was so much fun talking to you, Chris, at the New York premiere of Maestro. And I'm glad that you both that you both of you seem to like the movie. We did. I really enjoyed the screening, and it was fascinating to see what changed from the version of the film he saw, I saw, especially the ending. Chris, it's interesting that you didn't connect to the earlier scenes in Maestro, which I said. I thought it excelled where Mank didn't and the black and white looked gorgeous with seamless and breathtaking transitions. And I felt like I was really watching a film from that era. I wanted to jump into the screen and live in that world. I feel like I've seen people underestimating Maestro and I'm not sure why. I have it as front runners for best actor and act, uh, best makeup and hair. And I think Carrie has a decent shot at winning, although that's a stacked category with Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone, Sandra Huller, and Margot Robbie. I can easily see Maestro getting double-digit nominations, and I would love to see Bradley making it into director, but I'm not sure, since it's likely it's going to look, the nominees will be Nolan, Scorsese, Lanthimos, Gerwig, and Glazer. Love your Oscar playback videos. The 80s will be fun. Your jobs will be on the floor for some of the opening musical numbers. The 89 opening is legendary, but the 86 one is equally as unique. So much fun to see people in the audience, like Tom Hanks, Glenn Close, and Dustin Hoffman, truly confused, embarrassed, and shocked to witness such camp. Truly a wild time. 
Cheers, Henry. Uh, I've seen that one. I've seen like a, several videos from the 80s, especially. I haven't seen as many. So I'll, I'll go in blind next year when we do those. And I guess we'll do the 80s. We'll go back to the 80s. Uh, I kind of agree with Henry about Maestro in terms of Bradley and makeup. I mean, I think the makeup is unbelievable. We talked about that last week. So I definitely could see him winning and makeup winning. And I think it could get double digit nominate. Like, I think all of its aspects are great. So I could see it getting double digits, but it would have to, I mean, we'd have to get picture. The two actors is three. Yeah. No supporting. (laughs) No supporting. Screenplay is four. Cinematography would be five. Costumes, production design, six, seven. Sound, editing. editing. What's 10 then? Makeup. That's 10. And I don't think it'll get 10 then because I think it's tougher to get. I think some of this stuff would be tougher. Production design, I think, is competitive for sure. I don't know if either one of us had it in, though. No, I don't think I did. Um, did I have it in? Wouldn't that be funny if we just did this and I don't remember if I had it in? I, I have no idea what I said. I didn't have it in. I have color purple in. And uh, and sound, I think it'll definitely get into. I think cinematography, it should get in. I think editing is borderline because like we when we went over that category, it's tough. But it should get at least seven. Yeah, which I think is a decent haul for it. Like we said, like it is not really competitive in either supporting category. So it's out for that. Um, obviously no music. Right. So in like the categories it's eligible, like that's great. I mean, obviously it's eligible in supporting, but no. So right. but um yeah, I think for for that, like win-wise, like makeup for sure is the most likely. I would say makeup and then Bradley are the top two. Yeah, I would say that. I I I don't have them winning yet, but if I was yeah. ranking, I would say makeup, Bradley, and then Carrie. Yeah. So can you? So if they both win, it would be the first film to win both leads since As Good as It Gets. I can see Bradley winning without Carrie, but can you see Carrie winning without Bradley? There are two different categories. I don't think people vote that way. Like, oh, I I have to vote for both of them or I, I, I'm not going to vote for him or her because I'm not voting for the other. So you're saying you could see Bradley winning and Carrie not winning? Yes. But you can't see Carrie winning and Bradley not winning? No, I, I didn't say that. I'm okay. just asking you if you think that could happen. I don't think it could happen. I think they're probably a pair. So you think it's either him or both of them, but not. I Carrie, think so. I mean, I think it's tough because like you said, they're two different categories. The fact is, even though best actor is very strong and way more competitive than last year, it's still like way less competitive than this year's best actress race. And so like Bradley does not have as many strong con- contenders opposite him as Carrie does opposite her. The other thing is with actor, I feel like in actress, like when we were talking about this, these are strong movies and strong, like all five of these, for me, all five are best picture nominees, right? Like you said, like that's going to be, that doesn't usually happen, right? For certainly. And so in actor though, I think I would be surprised if Rustin was a best picture nominee and I have Colma Domingo in. I have Jeffrey Wright in for American Fiction and it's possible that doesn't get in for best picture either, even though it won at TIFF, right? Like it's not a guarantee. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, but I don't know. I just think that that category is not as strong for Brad compared. So I think Bradley has an easier shot to win than Carrie does in her category. 
Yeah, I think like competition wise. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have either of them winning at this point. So, but I guess like because I feel like uh, Carrie has gotten more praise. Like, pr- like I mean, she's the only she's only acting in it. Like he's doing other stuff. But I feel like her performance has been more praise. I don't know if that's because she's only an actor in a movie compared to Bradley that I could see. I I think it's the least likely scenario too, but I could see her winning without him. I'm not predicting it, but like there is a world where maybe she just sweeps or like maybe they're, they just really love that performance and her. And then, you know, like, I don't know who he lose to. Like maybe they just really love Oppenheimer (laughs) or something. I I don't know. Right. It's like, I don't know. Uh, Joyce, we went on so long here. So we really should wrap it up. Next week, we're going to have so many movies. You're seeing so many movies this week. And then we could also talk about Flower Moon. It's finally out. It'll be out that Friday. So we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about you're seeing poor things. I'm seeing so many. I'm seeing two things today, which. You're seeing. I'm seeing your favorite movie, Saltburn, today. I'm so excited. Saltburn is definitely my favorite movie of the fall run. I love it. Uh, Poor things you're seeing. Rustin, probably. So. Yes, Rustin is later. That's my my twofer is Saltburn and Rustin. And then uh, we'll both see the killer. So I guess we could talk about that next week a little because we'll have seen the killer on Saturday. And then we could talk about all these other movies and Flower Moon. Go a little more in depth on Flower Moon, uh, which I will see probably a third time. Did we spend three and a half hours on Flower This Moon. one might be three and a half. What we just did might have been three and a half. Marty is going to be like, what the fuck, guys? Even I'm like, get like, He's like, you're just binging seven episodes of TV right now. Marty's like, get out of Turn this shit off. That's Marty right now to this if he's watching. Or Francesca putting up on the on the iPad for him, maybe. What do you think? Probably not. Uh, the voice filter? Yeah. yeah I love the voice filter. I don't know audio. how any of this stuff works, but. I don't know. I'm not on TikTok. I don't so. know. Me neither. Uh, this was a great choice. I'm going to look up TikTok and then uh, we'll get to it next week. All right. I'll talk to you later. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.